Hello, this is Impact Ed, and I'm H.D. Chambers with A-Leaf ISD, and uh, I am glad to be joined today by two individuals that are that are making a significant difference, perhaps the most challenging ages of education, and that's middle school. It's those 12, 13, 14-year-old kids that, uh, that we were all once one of them, and <laughs> some of us survived and, and are better for it. Uh, but today we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about not only middle school, but we're gonna talk about what has occurred at one of the middle schools in our school district, Ali Middle School, both with the leader of that school, Ms. Nelda Belasque, as our principal, and uh, Mr. Larry Elizondo, who is a uh, will represent he represents Sitco and a partnership that we are extremely proud to have with with Larry and Sitco. And so today's conversation is going to to be. Uh, a combination of Ali Middle School and, and what's happening at that school, and then specifically Sitco and their role in helping our students and our staff at Ali um, become extremely, extremely successful in the areas of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. So with that, thank you, Larry. Thank you, Nelda, for being here. I'm going to let you introduce yourself, and if you don't mind, Nelda, just real briefly introduce yourself to this audience and who you are and what you're doing, and then, Larry, you'll do the same. Sure. And then we'll we'll get going. You bet. Hi, I'm Nelda Biescas. I'm the proud principal of uh, Ali Middle School, also known as the Sitco Innovation Academy at Ali. I am uh, principal of Ali for the last eight years. I'm a native Valleyite. I'm from McAllen, <laughs> Texas, a graduate of uh, the University of Texas Pan American, I guess I can say University what is it? Pan American. <laughs> I, I, they've changed the name so many times. Yeah. And I've been in Houston ever since. All my educational work has been in Houston, Texas. Well, great. And, and I'll tell you, for those listening, uh, I've been in A-Leaf a little over eight years, and, and I will tell you there's not a finer leader in, the, in Texas than Nelda. Larry. So uh, I represent Sitco. I'm the general manager for corporate social responsibility and um, community relations. In addition to that, my other duties are legislative affairs. So I'm all over uh, doing all kinds of things. But uh, one of the proudest things that we do is working with the educators and the school districts and, uh, you know, providing uh, pathways and opportunities for kids. So uh, been doing this for the last 40 years, believe it or not, with the company mm -hmm. and um, relocated from Corpus Christi here to Houston, got here as quick as I could. Uh, but I'm here now and, and uh, doing some great things and finding some great relations and building upon those relations. Good. I, I'm going to, like I said earlier, I'd like to spend just a second with providing some, some context for Ali Middle School. And there's no one better than, than Nelda to, to obviously to do that. Uh, and, and if you don't mind, maybe just, you know, the, the challenges that, that were at any middle school, much less Ollie, but in particular Ollie, um, when you got there, there were challenges. And, and, and I'd like for you to, without going into the great detail of that, but put in context the kids and uh, the, 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 the backgrounds that some of them come to school every day with that you, that you are trying to address and trying to flip, if you will, Thank you. Well, I think uh, one of the main reasons I was drawn to Ollie, first of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I love a challenge. <laughs> and I am a, I fight for the underdog. And that was clearly the underdog. And uh, I come from the Valley, and there's a lot of areas similar to that where children that have um, incredible talent is never tapped. And so that was the main reason I wanted to head to Ollie. And again, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, these children come with very limited resources. Uh, I'm a huge believer in your zip code doesn't determine what kind of education you get. It is the educators that are in those schools. And so 
part of it was really changing a mindset, not just of a community. The way we did it was changing the mindset of the entire school. Uh, when I first got there, you know, I mean, it was Ollie, you know, mm-hmm. with a question mark. Mm-hmm. And I've changed that as the whole campus yeah. has to Ollie. Yeah. You know, that's a great right. thing. I'm real proud of it. Uh, but it took some work uh, and it started with changing staff mindset and then having the children develop that ownership and that pride, that sense of pride. So the culture had to shift first, and then came the branding, and we had to allow other people to see. It couldn't just be the best little kept secret at Ollie. We had to share what we were doing because, again, I firmly believe that it's not your zip code. It's not where you are. It's it's what you have. So it, there was some work behind that, and um, along the way, we were able to uh, start a STEM program that really made the shift. When I first got to Ali, that was my vision. We were going to be the STEM magnet school of the district. I didn't realize we were going to be uh, known statewide (laughs) and nationwide, and we're real proud of that. But more than that, we're proud of what the kids have done, and we're very excited about the networking opportunity that we've had and then the partnership that we've we've got with Larry. So we're thrilled about where we're going from here, and uh, more than anything, just thrilled that we're giving kids an opportunity that wasn't there for them initially. It's amazing in our profession and in, in, in the education profession that, that sometimes we can either intentionally or unintentionally identify or label a school as being school with a question mark, right? And, and not give the, the kids any credit for, for, for having that untapped potential. I mean, and you discovered that. I think we discover that every day in, 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 in our school district. I guess the emphasis that you've attempted to place, you've attempted to place on, okay, every kid can learn science. Every kid can be an engineer. Doesn't matter where you come from. You can be an, you can be a doctor. You can be a physician. Uh, Larry, tell me, tell me how Sitco, you know, is this in Sitco's wheelhouse that would get you involved in an environment like Ollie and and support us financially and with your time? Very much. I just wanted to uh, contribute to some of the comments that uh, Nelda made. The school in which he is the principal of, the resilience of those kids is unmatched. Um, all they need is opportunities and structures and uh, and and support. Quite frankly, and and between them and the educators, they'll get there. The sit goes very much in line with all all of those objectives and seeing and providing pathways for kids for opportunities, particularly if we in our industry in the oil and gas industry we lack a tremendous amount of um, of product being a skilled educated workforce, and so it's in our best interest to invest in campuses and in school districts uh, that can generate that product for us, being that skilled, educated Mm -hmm. workforce. And so it's in our best interest to do that. Uh, Having said that, we take a great deal of pride in in investing in our community and investing in educators, period. Uh, We think they're educators. Unfortunately, I'm I'm married to one. Uh, (laughs) For the last 40 years, uh, she's been teaching and, and continues to teach. Uh, so I have a tremendous amount of respect, if you can imagine, uh, having seen that firsthand, yep. uh, having served in the capacity of the president of the school board as well in a, in a different uh, school district. I can certainly appreciate the challenges that they have, uh, the the limited dollars that are available to them to have innovative uh, curriculum and, and uh, opportunities to be able to teach a- as teachers because they have to meet mandates for the state that state is uh, requiring to do so. And so I understand have, having the challenges to navigate through all of that. So that's where the corporate office comes in. That's where corporate companies like ours comes in and uh, trying to make it a little easier for you. We're 
certainly not the subject matter experts in education. We have total respect for you to doing that. Uh, what we want to do is remove barriers and obstacles, maybe help streamline some of those processes, uh, let you know what the real world work mm-hmm. and opportunities have, uh, maybe kind of find that um, correlation between what you're teaching and what the real work has to offer. And then we have subject matter experts actually you know, uh, work in that in that profession, and that they can come and firsthand uh, interact with the kids. And and it's not just about the kid; it's about the educator as well. The educator has the desire; uh, they have uh, limited resources. Uh, but here in Aleaf, let me tell you, you guys are to be commended. Uh, I see your commitment. Number one, it starts at the top with the superintendent, and the fact that the school board has embraced the concept and saying, "Yes, this is what we want to do. This is an area that needs to be." Uh, tapped onto, and then the educators. But that's not the last. The mm-hmm. last component is the community. And the fact that, and I'm assuming that this complex that I'm sitting in right now is community-funded, tax-based yes, funded. Yes, it is. The fact that they supported that speaks volumes about your people, your community, the educators, and the entire system altogether. Uh, that's the beginning. Now the work has to come, and the, right. and the fruits of that labor will come down the road. But it speaks volumes about who you are as an educator and a leader and your community. And, and all of those things are the reasons why CITGO said Aleaf is a place we want to do business with and who we want to support and partner. I say this tongue-in-cheek. It's a novel concept for the business community to, to come into our education systems and try to help us prepare kids for them. I mean, that, that hasn't been the practice, you know, I mean, for a long time, higher ed colleges, K-12 system, and then the workforce, we all kind of had our own silos, and we got accused at K-12 of not producing quality products, if you will, graduates, and and, and, and so now that these types of relationships, uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think there's a way to accomplish what we need to do for our economy without them. You know, Nelda, you're, I've always curious, I've been in education my whole life, and my adult life, I think you have too, you know, how would you help other principals, or how would you help other leaders be willing to accept a company coming in and kind of coming in on your turf and helping helping partner. Talk about that a little bit from your from your perspective. You know, like you, business partners were everything was kind of set aside. Everybody had their little sections in right. the community, and uh, coming here, I realized it was a lot of work, and uh, people were coming in. I didn't have a corporate company come in like Sitgo until. It was really toward the end of last year. And what opened the door was STEM. Uh, we Part of the blueprint was we needed to have networking and we had to have uh, boards that we would meet and have an advisory board by the community, which made a lot of sense because the goal was to give our kids an opportunity to be successful in the future. Right. And so um, they've been advising us and allowing us the opportunity to grow with them. I've never felt as if they tried uh, to overtake anything that we're doing. Academics comes first. What it does is it marries the two. It gives the kid the bridge to understand what they're learning. You know, the the proverbial question, why are we learning this today? Mm -hmm. They know why. They know the why. And that's a beautiful thing because what Sitco is doing for us is creating that pathway. They're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And you talked about middle school that's hard for them to see because that's a whole lot of time before they hit junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to lose these kids in, you know, after their ninth grade year. I wanted to give them something that they could hold on to. And with Sitco, that's even a 
bigger commitment, they see, wow, the community really sees value in me. It wasn't, you know, it, it, it was, wow, the school sees value in me. Now it's the community, the district, other districts. I mean, it's it's powerful and it, it continues to develop that empowerment for the things that we want them to have, which is to be able to communicate, to collaborate, to think critically, and to be creative in that process. We wanted to give them experience and exposure, and through Sitka, we're, we're getting that opportunity for our kids. How, how does it change your staff? I mean, for, for those that are there, how, you, you mentioned earlier you started talking a little bit about your teachers, and I'm talking about teachers in particular. So when we first started, uh, this was about five years ago that ALEAF uh, supported me in this process. Um, because I had the idea of STEM, mm-hmm. but we needed the support. And so ALEAF provided us an opportunity to, to get training. When I first had the first cohort group of seventh grade teachers, uh, they went to uh, A&M, Texas A&M, for a, I think it was a two-week set where they were able to learn strategies that they would use in their classrooms. That helped solidify team. And then there was consistent training that was happening at the school district, at the school district level, to get the teachers ready. And then when I sent them to the state STEM conference, they came back and they were so empowered and excited. They said, I feel like a professional. And it it opened my eyes because I'm like, okay, well, you guys get training all the time, but this was different. It gave them this sense of, I guess, this bridge, the same mm-hmm. bridge the kids were seeing. They were starting to see, wow, what we're doing is impactful. So... It's about providing opportunities just like we're providing for our kids. And the, the mindset completely has shifted. Teachers are facilitating and not telling kids what to think. They're allowing kids to think and lead the, the learning. And it's all connected. That was mm-hmm. one of the key things that we had to dispel that myth of, oh, science is driving this. No, they're solving problems using TEKS and using the real world to figure out these uh, solutions for these kids. It's, it's tremendous. And, that, and that's what you're looking for, right, Larry? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the opportunities that we're providing, I mean, it used to be a day when they used to reference these professional jobs as career and technology specific. Right. And quite frankly, the stereotyping of that uh, mm-hmm. was kind of looked down upon. Uh, if you were in career and technology, it was because you couldn't make it academically. And that's so wrong. That's so far from the mark. Um, you know, in today's world, the career and technology kids are the guys that are making all the big bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at an average salary without any overtime, without any bonuses on a, on a basic technical job out in one of the refineries, you're making about $90,000 a year. That's $90,000, not including all of your benefit package, your bonuses and your overtime. You could potentially be making $150,000 annually. Right. And so that's, that's pretty good money. I know some attorneys that don't make that kind of money. And so uh, I think, um, you know, the stereotyping needs to be removed. uh, And that kind of comes back to the educators, I think, um, beginning at the school board level and giving it the credit that it's due and recognizing them and lifting them up and speaking positively about those who enter the STEM education uh, in some of the the other campuses and in other districts and other places. Uh, they they highlight them in the uh, commencement ceremonies. Mm-hmm. They, they they provide them a, a rope. Uh, they acknowledge their accomplishments, uh, no different than they would a salutatorian or valedictorian. So right. they gain immediate respect. Uh, but yes, we are looking for not only that kind of child that Nelda was referencing, but <clears throat> we're really looking for the entire package. We are greedy like that. We mm-hmm. want a a person who is giving. Uh, 
and that will contribute back to to society and and provide uh, volunteer hours to their communities and um, be in in a good mind and a good heart and all of that, along with the skill sets that they learn. So we're looking for the entire package. But yeah, that's the kind of person we're looking for. So you you're not looking for much, right? <laughs> no, not much. We we only take the cream of the crop. Well, and that's and that's to a, to and I, we laugh about that, but that's to Nelda and her staff's credit. The fact you're that's your standard, and the fact that you're partnering with with Ollie Middle School speaks volumes about the the product, if you will, that that they're providing. I've said this a lot lately, and uh, to your to both of y'all's point about you know legitimizing pathways that sometimes don't require a four year degree or a you know postgraduate degree. It requires post high school. You need something, but but yeah, I mean our society we're as responsible as anybody in the education field. We've kind of defined smart as in a very narrow, strict, prescriptive way. You're smart if you have degrees. You're smart if you can pass a test. And then if we find someone who can work in a in a petrochem industry, we we kind of say they're good with their hands, right? We don't we don't call them smart. We just say, well, you know, that guy's right, lady. She's good with her hands. And and I'd like for y'all to react to that. Uh, do you find yourself maybe not on a conscious level trying to redefine who's smart and who's not, but but do you find yourself with that same kind of mentality? I don't know if is it just me or no. You're absolutely correct. Um, eight years ago, I had a kiddo. I mean, we had three in our after school uh, SECME group, which is the Southeast Consortium of uh, Minority Engineers. There were three. And there was a young man that told me, we were talking about what their plans were. And he said, well, Ms. Biescus, I'm going to be a, I'm going to take over my dad's lawn mowing company. I said, oh, okay. I said, that, that's great. You know, that was at the beginning of the year. At the end of the year, he pulls me over and he says, Ms. Biescus, can I talk to you? I said, sure. And he said, I'm going to be a mechanical engineer. And I was so excited. I, I looked at our situation and where we are, where we're located, and HCC is Right by us, there's one off of um, Bissonette. And that's Houston Community College. Houston for, Community College. Yeah. And uh, it offered plumbing and uh, electrical work. And I remember when they were building this beautiful facility over off Hayes, I was like, oh, my God, my kids can't see that. And I knew that the children only had exposure to what was around them. So providing them with these other avenues was tremendous. So the part about what smart is, I realized that smart is relevant to what we need because yeah. let me tell you, the plumber's very needed <laughs> and very smart. And they're very smart. They're very <laughs> smart. And so really talking to the kids about excelling and, and pulling out of them the talents that they have and allowing them to identify these pathways is huge. And this building and what you've done with House Bill 5 and providing them with these different avenues is tremendous, these endorsements, because some of these children can leave high school with, certif- with certificates and be able to get employment that's making more than, you know, first year teachers and oh, yeah. you know, some of us. But uh, <laughs> don't don't tell teachers that. <laughs> strike that. <laughs> strike that. Yeah. Uh, but no, the kids, you can see that they realize right. we what when they do PBLs, when they have these problem based learning experiences and they're providing solutions to these problems, they recognize, hey, I can do this. And mm-hmm. the the thinking outside of the box is what's so critical because if we continue developing children that think exactly the same, we're not going to ever be able to overcome the the issues that our world is seeing today. And, I, I, uh, I love the whole problem-based learning. I, I mean, I, I've t- told Nelda one of the things that I learned when I was did a little, spent some time at Google, and one of the things they're 
uh, vice president for human resources, said the very first question on any application for to, to be an employee at Google Google is um, is uh, what problem do you want to solve? I mean, that's that's their main question, and they can from that question they can derive all <laughs> kinds of conclusions. Conclusions, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm sure you guys do the same yeah. thing. You know, you you. Larry, I mean, you know, Nelda was talking about sure. the the whole legitimization of this and who's smart and who's not. You bet. Well, you know, being good with your hands is the beginning of, of uh, greater things to come. Uh, you know, being good with your hands takes commitment, takes uh, uh, perseverance, takes all kind of um, little things that you need to be good at it. You need to be committed to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to excel in it. You need to do all kind of things. And that's going to be a stepping stone to your next thing that you're going to be doing in life. We have many, many employees who started out in the field working uh, at the refinery who are now in executive positions, uh, making multi-million dollar decisions, um, you know, inter- interacting with government, interacting with uh, city community leaders, and taking their place in the world and society and, and being big contributors. Right. And so uh, that's only the beginning. And if we can just stop limiting them to just saying that's all they can do. It's not, it's so far from the truth, so far from the truth. And, you know, you just never know what you're going to discover. There are hidden gems Mm -hmm. everywhere. Uh, You just have to take the time to take a pause and look at all the different facets that they have to offer. And, um, and, and to be honest with you, once you brush them off a little bit and give them the opportunity, they're going to excel and shine brighter than no one's business. Yeah. Nelda's over here smiling and and nodding her head as you're talking. Nelda, talk about your kids for a second. Let's meaning uh, their demographic makeup. I mean, your 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 population is. We keep using this word challenging, and I don't know if it may be insulting. I don't I don't know uh, another word to describe. But they do come to school with some some things of not of their own making. Correct. So um, our community. Um, is impoverished. It's difficult. They're they're going through tough times. Doesn't mean that's going to be the rest of their life, but that's their situation mm-hmm. now. And that's one of the things we talk to our kids. Don't allow your circumstance to dictate your future. Our kiddos, we're at about 92% free and reduced lunch. And I know we're higher than that. We've got a lot of kids yeah. that are very proud. And, um, you know, the feeder pattern that I have, we've got some elementary schools that are up at around uh, 96 to 98% free and reduced lunch. Those are the same kids, right? They're all right. coming through. Right. Um, we're about, uh, 68% Hispanic, about 23% African-American. And then the rest is kind of a little bit of everything. We're a little, uh, mini, you know, metropolis of all these beautiful, diverse countries. Uh, we're in the uh, most diverse part of Houston and I'm, I love it. So my staff reflects that. I, I venture to challenge anybody to see if their staff is as diverse as mine. And the reason that was important for me, yes, I'm looking for the smartest with heart. But I'm also looking for the diversity because I want my kids who live in little pockets of their own communities and only see their culture to be able to communicate and respect other cultures. Because I wanted to give them an opportunity to walk out of that building and be able to communicate with different people. Uh, That's part of the collaborative piece, being open and and open-minded and ready to work with others. And it's been beautiful. My staff is incredible. You know, some of these, some of the, the reason I want you to wanted you to talk about that is because let's be honest, there, there's a uh, there's a stigma or a stereotype that sometimes gets placed on these kids that come from these communities or these backgrounds. Uh, again, undeserving. It's not of their of their doing. They had, 
it's just the circumstances they find themselves in. And what makes me is, in my role in this district, what makes me proud, I guess, we are giving them a legitimate, real chance to change the trajectory of their life. You are. As a, Sitco is, Nell de Belasco is, your staff. You're actually doing things that we all used to talk about a lot, but didn't really do anything about it. And, and, and I think for those in the community and for those that even listen to the things like what we're talking about now, there's a lot of this happening across the Houston area. There's a lot of this happening across the state of Texas. And, uh, and the general population doesn't know it. it. It's more common than people realize. And let me tell you, I, I was that high-risk kid. I mm-hmm. was raised in the uh, projects. And uh, I was given an opportunity. And I was exposed to teachers, a very diverse group of, of uh, educators like Nelda was referencing. People that look like you, right? People that look like me yeah. that I could speak to that right. I didn't feel intimidated right. by and that uh, we could interact. They made me feel comfortable. Once I was comfortable because growing up when you're high risk and you live in that type of environment, you are afraid of authority, yeah. of any kind of authority. And so the important thing is to make someone feel comfortable before they can open up to you. They then you start finding out all of the things that makes that one individual work. And uh, little did I know, you know, I would I would go on to work for a, a, a huge corporation that's, uh, you know, for the mm-hmm. last 40 years. I went on to become president of the school board and became a city councilman for my city in Corpus Christi. You would stop and think that none of those things would be possible when I was growing up. But it was because of the people, the investments of the school districts, the individual investments and the capital that was spent uh, from a human side mm-hmm. of things, mm-hmm. from that educator that goes beyond just teaching, right. um, made all the difference in the world for me. Um, you know, and I remember one school teacher saying that I wouldn't amount to anything. You've heard that story time and time again. And people need to realize that those, those words are extremely damaging to an individual. And so I remembered that once I was grown and working for the company for a long time and I had a, um, I had a high-powered uh, individual that worked for our company that was walking the halls and I was walking alongside of him and one young engineer that just got hired came in and all he wanted to do was say good morning. And he said good morning to that high-powered individual walking aside of me and the man never gave him the time of day, didn't even look up. And I had to say something at that point in time because it reminded me of back when I was growing up and I took him in my office. I said, with all due respect, let me just share a little thing about what you just did to that young engineer. For the rest of today and maybe the rest of the week and maybe longer, Mm -hmm. he's going to be rewinding the tape to say, what am I doing wrong? What did I do? What may have I said? What can I? So he's he's feeling already, you know, challenged. Yeah, from a place of he's behind yeah. now. He feels like he feels like he's yeah. behind. He did something wrong, and that guilt just is is overpowering. And so, just the words itself mean they can make you or break you. And uh, that, that that's what I mean by educators when they speak to students. Mm-hmm. It needs to be in a very positive way. It needs it needs to say that y- yes, you can. All of those things are just important. They may seem very basic, but they are very important. Absolutely. You know, you you look at what a child comes with. We know that it's tough, right? I mean, uh, when they hear they've given their best, and this is what I found about our kids, they would rather fail by not trying, then try and fail. Hmm. So we've changed the paradigm. We've, we've done a paradigm shift where before it was failure is not an option. Well, I tell my kids failure is an option as long as you're trying because, because you're making it better. 
and continuously trying to make it better, you're doing already what a what an engineer would be doing or what we would be doing as professionals, trying to continue to improve the work. And so that has helped change that whole failure yeah. concept. And they understand that that's a very critical piece of making things better. Fascinating. And these are middle school kids, right? These are our future. Yeah. Yes. They're, 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 and, and a lot of people don't, you know, they can be knuckleheads, right? <laughs> we were, we were all knuckle. I mean, they're, they're kids. They're kids. They're, they're supposed to be kids, but this, the beauty in all this, I, I, there's a lot of beauty in it, but one of the beauties is this, they do have an opinion. Yes, they do. Right? They are capable, regardless of where they come from, they are capable of, of having a desire, you know, a thought. They may have a hard time articulating it, but they have uh, aspirations, if you will, for their life. How do you tap into that? You know, how do you, how do you pull that out of a kid that has never had a chance to, to do that? Do you- it started with helping the teachers understand that they don't have all the answers. We, we all see things from our own perspective. We, are, we were raised that way. And, yes, we all have gone through, you know, theory, theory, right, theory. Right. It's the practicum that actually changed us as educators, right, And in any professional field. So when we teach kids theory and that's all they get, they're not getting the full benefit of it. So changing the way that we do things by allowing kids to come up with their own ideas is huge. Uh, one of our teachers really pushes uh, passion and purpose. And so his students, which you happen to see their projects um, at the uh, school board conference, those were some of the projects that were done, as well as uh, there was a social studies one that you talked about, about Fort Bend. Um, The kids just realize if they have this burning desire to solve a problem, they'll come and ask me, is this okay to do, Ms. Biescas? Had one group that came in and wanted to do something about the kids that were in the valley in Brownsville that were uh, taken away from their parents. So they started their own little business to try to raise money to buy books to mail down to the children. And I just, I was in awe. Here are, you know, 13 and 14 year old kids that are trying to solve problems. Then I had another group that you got to see that came in and said, Miss Biescas, we'd like to access your, uh, your, your climate survey information because we want to prove that at Ollie, we have a way to prevent social injustice because we want to take that and teach others around the world how they can do it too. And at that, my eyes watered and I said, okay, I'm done. I can retire now. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. So really it's about preparing the teachers to let them understand we don't have it all. Yes, we're going to give them what the state says we need to do, but then we let the kids take that and work with it and what they create is they're solving problems they're there are leaders of the future and it's incredible what they do you know i think one of the important things to really consider uh when you come upon a child like this is recognize immediately that not all children ha- uh, start at the same starting gate they all have different accessibility mm-hmm. to things um sometimes when they go home they go home to an empty house uh, they may not have access to internet uh, they may not have an intelligent conversation at home with anyone because they don't have that level of education. Uh, they're not exposed to arts mm-hmm. uh, or anything like yep. that beyond uh, the school. And so, you know, that's when I know and I know I, and I recognize that school districts are limited in the funding that they have. And so that's why corporations like ours 
uh, need to understand those kind of things, recognize where the vulnerability is, uh, have conversations with superintendents and educators to see where can we fill that gap. What is it that's important? Because um, it's just not fair. It's, life isn't fair. Mm-hmm. But then you got to understand how to mitigate that uh, because our child is just as good as the other child on the other side of town. Uh, the problem is that they don't have the same tools mm-hmm. and they don't have the same access to, to things like that intelligent conversation and or Internet. And so we, we want to uh, level the playing field, if you will. Well, and I'll, I'll say this, that if you want to boil it down to a, as a practical matter, that as a, as a society and as an economy, we have to have these children now. But as adults, they have to be ready to enter the workforce for a sitco or any other, any other industry sector at a very uh, educated level so that they can sustain our republic. I mean, this is, absolutely. you know, this is, this is, uh, some people make it com- complicated, but this is not a complicated, this is not, the, the problem is not complicated to identify. Now, sometimes the solutions are complicated to implement, but this is not a complicated issue that we should, people should be debating about whether this person's smart, this person's not smart, this person from this zip code should have this, and this person from this zip code. We, if we spend our time, whether it's in education or in society, arguing about those issues, then we are completely completely taking our off the ball of what's really what really is important for for moving down the road and and so i'm i am uh like i said earlier as a superintendent i i'm proud of a lot of things about this district i'm proud of a lot of the areas in which what we're doing got areas we need to improve upon but one of the areas that that i that i that i am most proud of is this note this the culture that's been established that we want to prepare kids and we want to challenge kids to meet the demands of wherever they're going after they leave high school, whatever it is. Could be college, could be the workforce, could be the armed services. And in particular, what's going on in some of our schools like, like Ollie and, 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 and with the partnerships uh, with Sitco and, and, and other business folks that are out there that are, that are wanting to participate in this. Uh, Larry, you mentioned this building a little bit earlier. There's not a single guest I've had on this podcast that doesn't bring up this facility. And they do it in a way in which... Uh, is complementary to the taxpayers and to this community about what their vision and what their highest aspirations are for their kids. Yeah, and and I I think that um, that the fact that they support it uh, being taxed for this type of facility also should should speak to the school board member, mm-hmm. the school board yep. member that's getting elected by the same constituency. Yep. Uh, and so the school board member needs to hear that loud and clear that this is the direction that a leaf. ISD community wants to go. And so uh, with their vote, they're telling them, continue in that path. We recognize that STEM jobs are, are becoming uh, a, a, a way in which we're going to be moving ahead. Uh, and with technology the way it is, that's where the jobs will be mm-hmm. uh, moving forward. Um, and so one of the things that is interesting is that people get intimidated by the word STEM. They don't understand it. It's an education piece. Uh, and so you need to kind of peel the onion a little bit, talk mm-hmm. to the parents. The parents have this 
mindset that they don't want them to go into a gritty job or a nasty job. And they don't understand that, uh, you know, the pay grade is not uh, what they remembered it to be. Well, quite the contrary. It's a very sophisticated, very advanced complex. Um, A lot of it is is technical. Mm -hmm. Uh, You need to understand all of the staples that come with education, your reading, writing, math, all of the things that are relevant to work. Um, You just need to know how to apply them. You need to be able to integrate them in the curriculum so that when they get exposed to these things, they're not uh, foreign to them. Uh, but these are this is an education that has to be uh, talked about. Yep. Uh, and, you know, the, the school, school board members, uh, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. They're trying to meet the state mandates because the state says you can only do these things. And from the local level, and and I admire your leadership, is that you have to find that fine balance. You have to find, okay, I I need to meet the state obligations, but at the same time, I know the needs of my community. I know what jobs are available today and what does success look like. Well, to me, success uh, is what you're doing today, is investing in the right things, not only from the uh, infrastructure side, but from the human side. You're, You're hiring the right teachers the teachers with the right qualifications that have the heart and the drive to be able to teach this caliber of student. I love it. That's why I get up every morning. Yeah. You know, one of the things that kind of made it come home to me, I went to a function with my father, um, and um, it was in um, Harrisburg, if you know where that is, on the east side of town, at uh, the Ripley House. Yeah. And some of the poorest parents I'd ever seen were there. And my dad and I had a conversation after that, and uh, he said, how do we change that? I said, Dad, you know what it is? If we hit a point in our lives where we need help, we have people we can reach out to. Children that are impoverished at that level, it's, it's a sense of hopelessness. It's that generational poverty because they don't have that person that they can right. reach out to. This building, the concept that you've put forth, the vision that you've got, the community, what they're looking for, this is hope. You've given hope to a community of children that only saw their path going one way because that's that's all they were exposed to so thank you thank Absolutely. you well I, i'm gonna you know you're right the community the school board members uh, it's one thing for us superintendents to have visions and all that it's another thing to have people that actually follow it or or believe it share it whatever you want to call it and so uh with that i am uh, grateful for for both Sitco and for you personally, Nelda, and then what you and your team have done at at Ollie. I know, and I know I speak on behalf of hundreds and hundreds and thousands of kids that that are now in ninth, tenth, eleventh grade that benefited from this, and the ones that will continue to benefit. With that, thank you for being here. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, you've been listening to Impact Ed with Miss Nelda Velasquez, our principal at Ollie Middle School, and Mr. Larry Elizondo with Sitco. And I'm H.D. Chambers with Elite ISD. Thank you and, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. This has been an AMP production.